All right, welcome to the Make America Garrett Again podcast, your cure for the mainstream media. This show is your safe space to talk about persuasion, politics, and the effect they have on your life and liberty. Welcome back for another episode. Uh, Stephen Ignoramus was kind enough to have me back on his show uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I just wanted to share that interview with you. So um, just like uh, I've said in a couple of other episodes, um, this one has a little bit of language in it. So just want to give you fair warning in case you're listening with kids in the car or anything like that. But we ended up talking for a long time, had a really great conversation, and I really enjoyed this. And I'm going to leave links to uh, his shows and uh, everywhere that you can see uh, what he's doing because he's He's doing great interviews all the time, putting out content every single day. So he is just an absolute machine. So make sure that uh, you show him some love, give him some follows, and just show him how much you appreciate uh, him having me on as much as I appreciated it as well. So with that being said, let's get started. Okie dokie. I think we are live right now. Everything is looking good on the various platforms. Steven Ignoramus in the house. Another episode of Call Me Ignorant. Uploaded as a podcast in a couple days. An episode. The name of this episode today is a different, a different type of MAGA. That is as in Make America Garrett Again. I'm here with Garrett, the host of uh, the Make America Garrett Again podcast, which is a uh, podcast focused on peace, pro- free free markets, peace, and pro- property, property rights. rights. Yep. The angle of persuasion. Very, very yeah. nice. Nailed nice it. to have you on tonight, Garrett. You were on the show um, a year ago, and you know we kind of did this last minute. So thanks for coming on the stream. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we were just talking. You know, we were getting into a good conversation before we even like went on air. So I was like, no, no, no. Let's just go. You know, you know, hit the stream button and kind of talk about this on air. So you live in Columbus, Ohio, correct? Yep, I'm yeah. in the Columbus area. Yeah, Columbus area. Yeah. So yep. you, no, no, we're not going to give your address out or anything. Um, but <laughs> what happened after the George? You know, because you guys had a, a, a statue got taken down. The cops came in hard. What what happened there? Um, yeah, that was, it was pretty much, I mean, we had just like any other big city, uh, we had a lot of protests that got violent pretty quickly and turned into riots and people smashing things and burning things and that kind of thing. Um, and pretty quickly, uh, the mayor ordered a curfew after I can't remember what it was now, 10 or 11 o'clock, something like that. And then they sent the police in and the police just came in really hard and just, uh, would pepper spray people just for no reason almost uh, and there were people videos of people sitting on the sidewalks um not move, not doing anything uh, and the police would just come by and pr- uh, pepper spray them anyway and we had a uh, a state senator state representative and some of her staff that got pepper sprayed just because they were out there so uh, the cops came in really really hard and uh, of course with me as a, as a libertarian i hate to see that um but then at the same time when you look at kind of what they were up against and you could already see you know other cities burning uh, I can kind of understand where they came from. And, uh, you know, that, that makes it kind of tough for me just to, you know, you can't really pick a side in these kind of elements, but, right. um, it was just so, you know, I don't know what to think because they, they came in really heavy and probably did stop a lot of violence, uh, by, by being the first ones to get violent. But, uh, the whole thing was pretty nasty, but it, after about a week or a week and a half, it calmed down. It wasn't, it wasn't lasting too terribly long here. Yeah. Did, uh, so, you know, what I always, I mean, I think I was saying it off air, but you know, mo- I've been getting a lot of libertarians on to talk about just like what is to be done about the, mm-hmm. the mobs and the, the property destru- destruction. You just mentioned that um, you know it's hard to take a side in this whole thing. I think that m- that might be true, but unless you're being threatened, you know, that's yeah. when it gets like pretty easy to make a call. It's when your life and property is getting getting threatened. Um, but did it, were there like militias down there, people defending stuff at that point, or it was it was pretty early on? 
I don't think so. I mean, there were some like kind of conservative groups that went, uh, especially um, a lot of the protesters kind of went to, I think it was the state house. I forget what building, but it was one of our big, nice government buildings and they spray painted a lot of it and broke a lot of windows. Uh, and so there were more conservative protesters that kind of went through afterward and were you know, taking video and showing what a mess these people made and how, you know, kind of disrespectful they were to government property. And yeah. um, of course, you know, to me, I don't, I, I would rather not spend the money on that government property either. Yeah. Um, but you could definitely see, you know, both sides of that, but I didn't see, I, not that I recall there was very much between like a, a counter protesters kind of clashing or anything like that. Um, you know, I think, in this city, there uh, there's definitely plenty of conservatives, but I think most of them are a little bit more quiet mm. and just willing to, to, you know, let the, you know, more progressive people kind of take front and center and just do what they're going to do. And, and you know, conservatives are, are just a little bit more quiet, you know, and they're, they're going to do their own thing without, yeah. uh, you well, know, making a big fuss about it. Well, that's the thing that, that like about Ohio. I mean, the, the red parts of Ohio are really red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're very, very red. And now like the people out there might not care about the city so much. That was one of the, the things that people would ask me in my live chat. Like, why aren't people going into the city to like defend is like, cause they, they don't care. And I, I'm pretty sure the people in the city don't care about them either. And so yeah. like the idea of like a good old boy militia marching in from a red County into a city, it's like, I don't know. Like you said, they kind of just keep their own, keep, keep, yeah. you know, so I don't know that that's very interesting. I mean, yeah, Columbus, the statue got, got taken down Ohio is, you know, a, is Ohio a battleground state or a purple state? What, what are they now? Um, I guess you would call it purple. It is very, very red, basically all the way through, uh, except for like the three major cities, Cincinnati, yeah. Columbus, and Cleveland are all very, very blue. Um, not sure about maybe, maybe Toledo, maybe Athens, some of the kind of a little bit smaller, big cities, uh, not as sure about them, but it's definitely just, that's where it kind of is. It's just going to be, you know, are there more people in the cities or are there more people out in the rural areas? And so for the most uh, part, yeah, it's, it's MAGA country. Yeah. Um, but like you said, you know, the, the, the people outside of the city don't really care about the people in the city. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's two different States. It's two different uh, cultures. Mm. And you can see, you know, you, you leave the city half an hour in any direction uh, and it's, it's, it's red. A lot yeah. more farmland. Yeah. Cool. Nice, man. Well, I mean, so let's do a couple hypotheticals. All right. Okay. So, so, okay. Um, Cause libertarians love hypotheticals. And I, you know, if you were to ask, I would still say I'm like, a libertarian like okay i think i am i think i am still i still have my lp card even though i don't like the lp i'm still a liberty guy but i also i don't, if you know, don't, I don't like the lp that makes you a real libertarian exactly so. yeah the only real libertarian by the exactly. way yeah the, the only one but okay so like you're being attacked okay mm-hmm. you're, you're being attacked by 10 people H- how many of them need to be actually attacking you to you for you to like generalize about the group that's my question like say two of them are women and they're just there talking on the phone but you know they're with them but there's eight big dudes attacking you at what point can you just take out everyone because <laughs> that's what that's sure. what i think about with the, with the cops and, and it's like they have to generalize a little bit like it's not good to mm-hmm. just pepper spray randomly but they have to generalize a little bit because people are threatening life and property so i guess how big of a populace of the the pie chart do you need to be committing aggression to like not just not care this is a good question yeah uh this is tough um when you say attacking do you mean like physically like threatening on your life or do you mean that they're just surrounding you yelling at you well they have to be some sort of aggression has to be 
that's that's where the gray area is. It's like what yelling is, what spitting is, like what like how close. If you're frothing at the mouth, let's say right. they are they're after actively attacking your property or person. Um, physically, I mean, if they're actively attacking you and you're you're outnumbered, I think at that point it it's okay to use force. It's yeah. okay to uh, you know take out the people that are, are nearest to you. I would imagine, yeah. Th- and well, hopefully at that point the rest of them are going to back up. But. Yeah. Well, that's why I've been. I think the same thing, right? I and that's what I. That's an argument for the cops actually like showing a ton of restraint. <laughs> you know, not not in like I don't know about in general because first of all, did you see this study that just said that ninety three percent of these protests are are peaceful? Yeah, mostly and, peaceful. Yeah, and you look at you look at the study and it's just it's it's the way it's measured is just retarded. But anyway, like how did they do that? It, okay, so what it was just the total number. It was so okay. dumb. All they did was took the the total. Now, now for instance, this is a question I was talking about on my show today. Um, Portland's going been going for a hundred days. All right, <laughs> is that a hundred protests or one protest? I mm-hmm. think they count that as one protest. Probably I think that's so. one per city. Now that's a hundred of the most violent protests that you count as one. Right, mm-hmm. and then you have a, a a protest in I don't know. There were ones in weird towns in Louisiana and stuff. So like. And so they just said, said there were like 7,000 and 220 of them were not peaceful. Therefore, <laughs> it's so dumb. So That's great. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear how they counted. Um, <clears throat> Michael Malice has kind of been on the mostly peaceful thing lately, and he's been talking about how, um, you know, if you're a murderer and, you know, you, you, you're mostly peaceful, you know, the other 364 days a year that you're not murdering somebody, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're a very peaceful person. And yes. uh, he, I think he tweeted not too long ago, you know, the AR-15s are mostly peaceful because they, are. they usually don't shoot anybody. Yeah. Um, my, and, uh, mine yeah, is hilarious. 100%, 100% peaceful. Yeah, like my, absolutely. My AR is, is never shot a person. Yeah. So um, better stats. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I don't know. I wonder how they get those counts because I know I've seen a couple places uh, in the suburbs or with, with friends and, and people that I know that are just in really small cities, you know, in a, a, a teeny tiny town will have a protest with, you know, 15 or 20 people show up and they're, you know, just on the side of the road, holding signs, you know, shouting at traffic as they go by or whatever, which is completely fine. Um, but, you know, do you count that as a, as a protest when there's really you know, not many people there? And like you said, yeah, the more people you can add to that where there's not an incident, which of course, if there's 20 people there, you're not going to have any incidents. Um, yeah. Then you get that 93% number, and um, <laughs> it's yeah, so it's I can't believe it. Yeah, I mean that's why I don't know whether I'm like a libertarian because because really what it is is like I value liberty very very highly. I I value morality <laughs> higher than that. Um, but it's all like what to do with government and government is like politics is just not, it's just kind of lame to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's all, but I think that some of these people, I don't know, it's, I think some of these people should be put down like dogs by the government. And you know, like, like the, remember the guy who's sitting on his butt and the guy came up behind him and soccer kicked him in the head. Yeah. You see, that guy, I, I think that. that guy deserves the chair. So, yeah, well, and you know what they'll tell you is that this guy drove his truck into traffic and that he swerved at people. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things about this is the video always picks up after whatever has happened with the car. And, you know, you don't know whether he was actually trying to run people over or whether he was just trying to get through. Um, but, yeah, I remember yeah. that video that you were talking about where you could see the truck had crashed into a light post and it was totaled and he was he was dazed and shaken up already. Um, he got the shit beat out of him, dude. He got the shit beat out of him before he got kicked. 
and they were and they were looting his car while they were doing that like yeah i um, mean I, I just don't i almost don't i it almost is irrelevant what was done before that kick because that kick wasn't self-defense mm. it, there's only one situation where you can do that and that's like self-defense i mean the guy had the his back turned to him so it, it you know if he committed crimes that's for the cops that's that's why i know this uh what's it called these mobs solidify that i'm not an ancap Mm-hmm. Because the, the these guys need the long dick of the law, dude. They're, they're like, I mean, or if you deputize everybody, but that's just law. Mm-hmm. Like, that's if like, do you, have you ever seen these things where they deputize the whole county? You ever hear about this? I've I've heard it threatened several times, yeah. and it just sounds like an absolute disaster waiting to happen. To I, really, me, but, you, you um, don't like that? <laughs> I not I exactly. It. I guess my thing would be, you know, are you are you going to give those citizens qualified immunity? You know, are they allowed mm. to, to steal and, and beat yeah. and do whatever they want to do and uh, just have complete you know impunity to do whatever they want to do? Um, Good point. I, I definitely understand how, and, and that's definitely chasing people to more of a conservative view. You know, when you see cities burning and you see people fighting like that, uh, you know, Trump doesn't even have to run ads at that point because it's just telling people. You know, the, you want somebody who's going to you know, supposedly put this in order if that's what he's running on. Um, yeah. And a lot of times, you know, he's just talked about doing something. He hasn't actually done it, but, you know, he'll threaten to send the National Guard in and then not do it. Or he'll threaten to you know, take ventilators away and then not do it. But mm. um, saying that he's going to do it or threatening to do it kind of is enough for his base to think that he did it. And then he doesn't actually give them any ammunition to use against him for being an authoritarian like they accuse him of being. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think about these uh, these federal apprehensions and stuff? Where they, you know, they they sent the feds into Portland. They have the feds in Chicago, I think. But I mean, people on the left have gone nuts over this. Like they're throwing, they're, they're being sent to Guantanamo. I'm sure you oppose it or in some way, but you know, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely concerned about it. What I what I think is happening is they are saying that they have, they're saying that they have these people have been caught um, vandalizing federal property. And so they, you know, threw Molotov cocktails at a federal courthouse or tried to set it on fire, spray painted it or broke windows or whatever it was. And that they're taking people in to charge them with those federal crimes. And, you know, at that point, like you said, if somebody's committed a crime, then you, you know, leave it to the police, especially in this society, you know, in, in ANCAP, in ANCAPistan, you know, you could probably, we could discuss the different <laughs> kind of ways it could be done, but yeah. most people want at least a little bit of government. Most people want a little bit of police for things like this, where a crime has been committed, you need to go get them and bring them in and, and, try them in court. And what I think that they're doing is uh, I notice a lot of times when cops will profile people for other reasons, uh, when they want to just be a jerk and mess with somebody or harass somebody or whatever, um, you know, they'll say, well, we heard that there was a, a burglary and the suspect was a black male. So they'll just pull over some random black male and harass him as if he was a suspect in this burglary when it could have been one of a million other people. And they know that, but they, they have a vague enough description and so I think that they're probably doing the same thing when it comes to a lot of these Antifa riots where it was, we saw somebody in a black mask and a black backpack carrying, yeah. you know, maybe a club or a baseball bat or something. And they broke a window and then they see somebody with a black mask and a black backpack walking down the street and they're just going to grab them and, and drive, drag them into the truck. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that that gives an element of fear because you don't know if it's going to be you or not. Yeah. And you don't know if you're going to be taking the blame for what somebody else has done or not. But I think that they're using that same kind of tactic that usually ties into a lot of the, the racist type stuff that they get into. And I think that it's just being turned on Antifa this time yeah. and instead of the skin color. You know, it's just the way that they're dressed and they, yeah. they all kind of have that look. 
the only thing is that is like I would back the profiling of both groups if there were active riots going on. Mm-hmm. You know, like it. I, I don't. I mean, whenever you say you back something, you back some sort of policy. You have to measure it in some way. So I'm not saying you know you go around nabbing every white soy face in a bandana around, you know, like, but it's some sort of line. It, it can't be none. That That's one thing that I've really, really stressed lately. It really opened my eyes to, you know, in the last year or so is that we, people in our generation and the one above it, like we've been really trained to think like discrimination and generalization are inherently bad and mm-hmm. they are not there. What's bad is, is doing it for shitty reasons and doing it before you think and stuff like that. But there are statistics and stereotypes and stuff like that, you know, and, and people are like race, race, but really I'm like, I'm talking about crime, man, like mm-hmm. crime. These are criminals. And so I don't know. It's kind of like in a gang. If like the Kingpin's girl didn't commit the crime, she's still the Kingpin's girl. You know, and so I just don't know what my, I'm still, I'm just talking about the pie chart. I don't know where to draw the line because like these people keep showing up and destruction keeps happening, even if they're not personally the ones doing it. Mm-hmm. What, like, what do you like? I, I don't know, man. I just like, like, I want these people like wiped off the street and I don't like it cause I'm a Liberty guy, but yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, no, that- do you agree with what I said about, um, about it, if, if they're in a riot, uh, there's more generalization, you know, allowed, right? I th- I think so. I yeah. think I think I get what you're saying for sure. And yeah, I mean, if you're out there with this group of people and you're dressed the same as those people and you're in the same place and you're you're shouting the same chants and things start to get crazy, you can't be surprised when you get lumped in with those people for sure. And like you said, you know, maybe it's right or wrong, and and there's probably a different place where everybody draws the line, but. Just as you said, and you know, we mentioned Scott Adams on the, the last episode. I think we talked about it before we went live. But you know, Scott Adams talks about these things are, are shortcuts that your brain uses to, to overgeneralize and just to look at people and get a quick look mm-hmm. at, is this person somebody that I think is safe? Is this person somebody that I know? You know what do I think about this person? And lots of things are going to go into that. And it's going to be race and it's going to be the types of clothing they're wearing and maybe what their facial expression is and whatever Dude. else it may be. You know, if it's a, if it's a, a woman in the men's room, that's yeah. going to be weird. And you're going to go, wait a minute, something's not right here. How they hold their body, yo. Like people, like the thing is, is that like a lot of like these hood, scary hood types, it's not even like that they're black or the way they're, the, where they're walking. Cause it's like, I mean, I mean, or the way they're dressed a lot. of It's like the way they walk. And I've seen many people of all races like this, where they <laughs> just look like they're coming up to mess with most people i've seen like this have been like white meth heads mm-hmm. where they you just think they they like they're like sliding up they look like they're about to shank your ass like um so it's it's all that stuff Let, let's talk about um scott adams for a little bit because i okay. stopped li- listening to him for about a year and a half and then i started mm-hmm. again three or four months ago after i read three of his books so just why don't you um a, a lot of people i don't know about people in the chat or whatever but like a lot of people hate on him okay. i can see why sometimes mm-hmm. Um, sure. But why don't you tell me what, uh, why, you, why you like him and what he kind of the value he's brought to the table for you? Um, yeah, for me, I was uh, and talked about a little bit on the, the last uh, interview I did with you um, that I was an ever Trumper and I was somebody who just absolutely did not want Trump to win no matter what because he was just too much of a wild card. He might be the best president ever, but he very well could be the worst president ever and could be getting us into a nuclear war <laughs> at the at the you know the end of a tweet. And I was really, really concerned with that. And I was kind of just like anybody else was kind of hoping that 
expecting Hillary to win. I guess I shouldn't say hoping, but, uh, you know, I voted for Gary Johnson and just assumed Hillary Clinton was going to win. And that was going to be that. And we get eight more years of Obama and Trump won. And that was that. And then I heard Scott Adams on, I think it was the art of charm podcast. And he was talking about how, you know, Trump was using these potentially like hypnotist techniques and his super high level of persuasion was what was getting him through a lot of these crazy things that nobody else would be able to get out of. And that really just intrigued me, you know, and it made me look at Trump differently as, you know, not just maybe this potentially scariest, worst person in the world, but this is somebody who, if nothing else, we can learn from his methods. We can learn a little bit from what he's doing and to see kind of the games that he's playing. And I think that that's all of politics in general um, but but Trump is included in this is you just look at it more like a game. You know, it's it's a chess match. It's a, a football game, whatever it is, whatever analogy it is you want to call it. Um, these are people who are trying to take more power and trying to use their power and trying to manipulate you as a, a listener and as a voter to do and think the way that they want you to do and think. Yeah. And so when I started looking at him that way and not just that he's this crazy fascist Hitler, whatever in the white house, and you know, he's going to get us all killed, but instead watching him, you know, play the media and watching him, you know, play AOC. And oh, Ilhan it's a Omar beautiful instrument. And, he's so uh, good at it. <laughs> just help me to be entertained by that. And mm-hmm. so looking at those things with Scott Adams and a lot of the things that he said, his was all around based all around Trump. And that was kind of his, his calling card. And that's all he ever talked about. And I saw an opening where I was, I was thinking about starting my own show anyway, and wanted to be uh, a kind of a show that would be able to bring people into the fold. And hopefully, you know, whether or not you, you don't completely agree with me or, you know, whether, like you said, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a libertarian, but I'm not sure. And I can't buy into a lot of this stuff um, that my goal was to be able to bring people in to help them, to say, you know what? No, I think, I think you're onto the right thing, but you know, some of these questions you have, maybe you're not looking at the right way, or maybe we can iron these things out and I could, we can bring you into the fold a little bit more. Um, but then seeing that persuasion angle and that he was just using it to talk about Trump when everybody does this, you, know, you see Nancy Pelosi do this, you see AOC do this, you see yeah. Bernie Sanders do it. And, and the other Republicans, uh, even though a lot of times they're not nearly as good at it, uh, where the left a lot of times is much better at it than the right is mm-hmm. you have somebody like Trump who, you know, kind of pound for pound can, can fight back against them. And so, yeah, just being able to enjoy it for what it is and yeah. not to, to think that my life is on the line, yeah. whether or not Trump passes a bill or not. Or yeah. And it might so. be it, it like, it might be cause it's politics, but again, you could just enjoy the show that that's, I, I totally agree with that. And I discovered that in the last, like probably six or seven months or so, like this, the show started getting really, really fun and we started laughing mm-hmm. at stuff and, it is crazy because it is the game. It is a game, but it's the game of people's life, lives, and the game of mm-hmm. power. And uh, one one term that uh, Scott Adams uh, used a lot that I picked up was just was just technique. Just the, mm-hmm. using the word technique when you're talking about like persuading someone or just like. And I, when when you think about that, it's kind of like technique somewhat applies doing something on purpose. You know, you can't refine a technique over and over and not do it intentionally. If you talk about like a golf swing or whatever. And that's the still the part that, you know, I mean, Trump seems like a really good improviser, but I'm just, I just wonder how much Trump really plans and how much is just his nature. What do, what do you think about that? Do you, like, cause I don't think Scott Adams has ever, I think if I'm guessing Scott Adams thinks that most of it's off the cuff from Trump, he's like un, an unwitting master persuader. 
Yeah, that's, um, I think that's the biggest question. I think even Scott Adams has that. I don't think he knows. I think that's his biggest question as well, because even one of the things that you learn from him is that we are not rational as human beings, that a lot of times we make a decision uh, in a split second, and then we take the next couple of seconds to talk ourselves into why we think we made that decision. And I think you could pretty much do the same thing with Trump. You know, he fires something off the cuff, he improvises or whatever. And then somebody like Scott Adams can go back around and they can say, oh, this is why he did that. This was the method behind Mm. that when, you know, maybe he just made a joke and and didn't think about it. And so that's probably one of the most interesting things to, I guess, just kind of debate on and think about. And, you know, maybe Trump doesn't even know. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't realize that he does some of the things that he does, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that guy is so funny. He's got like stand-up comedian vibes, oh, yeah. man. He's so good. <laughs> you yeah, see, yeah. Some of the some of the things he said. Do you, do you uh do you see him t- tell the guy to take the to take his mask off? No, I didn't. He's see like that one. take it off. He's like I'm, he looks so sick of just looking. I don't know what he's sick of, but he looked like a tired man. Just he's like you're very muffled. Please, please, just take off your mask. And everyone, I don't know. What's your um? I don't know. What's your deal with the coronavirus? Like, what's your take on it? Like, lockdowns probably no. Like, you wear a mask. Do you are you no masker? What's the deal? Um, no, pretty much. I'm I'm against all of it. Uh, I'm a property rights guy, so your property is is your property. And if you ask me to wear a mask, then I'm going to wear a mask on your property. And if you probably just trying to get along with people, you know, if you were genuinely concerned for your health, uh, you know, I listen to a couple people or know people, you know, who they, they live with elderly parents or they have a spouse that has, you know, some kind of, you know, lung issue or, uh, you know, Scott Horton talks about how his wife has lupus. Um, you know, those people, if you, if you ask me to keep my distance and to, you know, maybe wear a mask around you, I would probably be open to that. I think the thing that upsets me the most about all of this is that it's coming from a state mandate and that these businesses are asking you to do it, not because they want it for the safety of their customers, but because, they're being threatened with a shutdown if they don't, you know, and that, that you've got almost every state governor just looming and, and constantly saying, you know, if the numbers go back up, we're going to have to shut things back down again. You know, if too many people go to the bars. We're going to have to shut things back down again. And that's the thing that upsets me the most is I just want it to be voluntary. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to wear a mask, you should wear a mask. If you want to ask me to wear a mask, I would probably be willing to do that, even if I think that it's mostly overblown. Uh, but the the fact that most people just give into it and are just completely fine with it. Um, I, and I think a lot of it's just because they want to get on with their lives that they don't want to fight and argue about it. And, and I think most people aren't overly political. And so it's just like, look, if I have to wear the mask so that I can go to the movies or if I have to wear the mask so I can go to the bars, then that's what I'm going to do because that's what I would do in my normal life anyway. Um, but I've, I've been to places, you know, since things have kind of opened back up a little bit and been to places that have been really crowded and most people don't seem to be that worried about the masks at all. I've seen a couple fights in some restaurants and stuff like that where somebody comes in without a mask and things have gotten a little bit tense. But, mm. you know, I think for the most part, people are just uh, just going through the motions to do what they have to do to hopefully not get arrested, not get their business. You think that's true. I, I don't know. I, I always just think about the pie chart. I'm like, I'm thinking about like what percentage of people are really you know, are just trying to go on with their lives. I think, I think it's a really big example of like a loud minority of the people that are like, Mm -hmm. wear your mask, you know, shut everything down. I don't know. I I haven't met many of them though. Like you see them on videos, you see them in, in office, but as far as regular people that want there to be, but also we, 
we kind of surround ourselves with liberty people. I don't mm-hmm. really talk to many people that are like, stay home, wear a mask. I mean, I don't like those people. I just don't like the way they speak. Like they're, they're SJWs. So it's just, mm-hmm. they're always advocating for their cause and like telling other people what to do and mostly under like threatening force on me. You know, like, uh, so. And, and most of those have just been people who are able to do their work from home. They're able yeah. to go about their life staying home, and it's yeah. probably a lot more convenient that way. You know, you don't have to travel, you don't have to, you know, get dressed if you don't want to. You don't, you know, have to do all of these different things that you would have to do normally if you were going to work. You know, struggle to find a parking spot and pay extra to go out to eat at lunch and all of this stuff. Uh, where these people, a lot of them, can just go on with their lives completely normal. And yeah. I think the same. You see the same thing with teachers that, yeah. You know, their job Me too. has a certain yeah. certain level of, of difficulty, you know, as I mean, you got to grade papers, you got to deal with students. But if you can stay home so that you're just grading papers and just emailing parents and you don't have to deal with the behavioral issues all day, then sure, that's going to be easier for you. And so looking out for your own self-interest, you're going to say, well, I think everybody should lock down because that's easier for me. But when you talk to other that's people who selfish that people talk about selfish with like vaccines and with all kinds of stuff, that is selfish is a selfish way of thinking that if it's if you know, I'm fine. Yeah. Well, and, and then the night before our lockdown happened, we went out to eat and we knew, you know, this was the last night for all of the restaurants <laughs> and everything. And, you know, we sat down and the, and the waiter comes up to us and, you know, we're like, you know, how are you doing? You know, how are things going? And he's like, well, you know, I'm going to be without a job in three hours. So I don't really know. And he just had this, you know, kind of shocked look on his face because you got an entire building full of people, an entire industry full of people who just aren't allowed to work tomorrow. Damn, and man. that's, you know, that's terrifying. That's and, and, crazy. I mean, it's also, uh, you know, I, I, I come from, you know, I was very, very liberal 10 years ago or so, like eight years ago, even as soon as like 2015. Um, but I always thought t- tyranny was from the highest level of government. And it's, it wasn't this time. It was from states and counties. Mm-hmm. You know, counties would do what the state wants. But like kind of the CDC and the NIH had like a hand in it. But the economic stuff was bad on the federal government's part. But mm-hmm. there was no never – it made me it made me like Trump more was, there was no federal lockdown at least there was that and that would have been insane uh were you happy about that i i think so you know in in theory it kind of worked the way that it was supposed to work where uh you know, Trump threatened to do something, but he really didn't do much. He really didn't take much action on it, which is completely fine because I, I don't think that that was a call for the federal government and it should have been left to the states. And so that's kind of what happened. But then you see basically every governor following suit, trying to make sure that they're outdoing everybody else to show that they're the most worried about people's safety and that they're going to shut down the most things and ruin the most lives to prove how much they care about you. And I think that was the thing that was really frustrating to me was to see them do that and to just to see everybody fall in line and everybody go with it. And I think that kind of looking back on it, I've seen, I think that it's just this collectivist nature that we have. And yes. I think on the, on the right, you would call it more nationalism and on the left, they have the exact same thing, but it's all about society. You yeah. know, and, and you can, you can put different names on it, but it is the fact that we are all one group and everybody should act the way that I want them to act because I belong to this group and this group belongs to me. And uh, that was something that uh, Brian McClanahan brought up on an episode of his show was that, that you've got people in New York arguing about the immigration laws in California because we're all Americans and that's not how we do things in America. You know, you've got to come in the right way or you've got to do whatever my way. And I think that we pretty much saw that with 
these lockdowns is mm-hmm. that, you know, somebody in the next state over isn't doing the same thing that your state is doing. And instead of saying, well, let's let's see this play, see how this plays out. Uh, instead, everybody's going, well, why aren't we doing what they're doing? You know, why aren't we all taking the same measures? And everybody kind of tries to one up each other. Yeah. Uh, and so we get everything closed. Standardization, like centralization and standardization when it's not needed is the problem there. Like everything's different. So mm-hmm. it's like staying flexible, like you said. It, but yeah, I think it's a collectivization thing and a, a collectivism thing and also almost a laziness thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a, people are lazy, lazy thinkers. So they'll, and that feeds into your emotional reactions as well. So if you, you yeah. So if you are like, you know, impulsive, I'm pretty impulsive, but you know, like your crazy reaction at Nary person is way more impulsive. And it's, it's weird because it takes a long time to make policy. So it's not exactly impulsive, but it's just emotional. It's emotional Mm -hmm. reaction type deal. And, And people pass laws off of it. And, you know, I, I don't know if you ever read the kid's book, The Giver, before. You ever read that? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's I, like all yeah. about sameness. It was like the thing that, that, that the world was all about. That's like if every state acts the same. But anyway, I would have liked to see Trump just ban the lockdown. See, that's a, a situation where I, I'm not a small government guy necessarily. Mm-hmm. If, if the big government comes in and says, no lockdowns, no, frankly, no lockdowns, um, would you have been down with that if, you, if like an executive order type deal? On principle, no. Yeah. You know, I would have, I would have emotionally, I would have liked it because that's the, the point that I agree with. Um, but at the same time, you've got to say, okay, you've already got Joe Biden tweeting that if he's president, there's going to be a national mask mandate. Ooh, there are going to be national lockdowns. Be a civil so, war. <laughs> so when you say something like, you know, I wish Trump would come through with this executive order and demand that the economy be opened the way that he wants it to be opened. And mm. of course, it's not completely open because we still have some of our tariffs and some of our, our beef with China and all this stuff. Yeah. And, and just knowing that depending on how the election turns out in November, that in January, it's going to turn over and somebody else is going to be trying to make those same calls. And we already see see that, you know, they're trying to one up each other. And uh the same thing that, you know, Trump has spent a lot of time trying to undo a lot of the things that Obama did and people consider to be Obama's legacy. And, you know, again, I didn't like a lot of those things, but you've got to remember that if you want them using that power to do one thing, you got to remember that give it four or eight years yeah, and somebody else the on the other team is going to be there doing things their way. Wow. Yeah, let's go back to talking about a little bit more about the protests or whatever. So you're, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but your last podcast was about Kenosha. Um, yes. Why don't you talk about a little bit about what that episode was about? And I'm assuming assuming it was about like Kyle Rittenhouse, that whole. Mm-hmm. So why don't you? Yeah, what was that podcast? Uh, what were your thoughts on that? So uh, I went through that podcast and I recorded it originally right after the Jacob Blake thing, and we had kind of talked about. I that video had come out and the story that we heard on that video was that he was breaking up a fight between two women. Do you remember hearing that when yes. it first went yeah. down? And so this, this poor guy is breaking up a fight and the police show up and you know, he was just trying to help. And then the next thing, you know, they're tasing him a bunch of times and they, they chase him down and they shoot him in the back. And so at th- that point, the first time I recorded it, you know, I was as, as shocked as anybody else. And uh, of course you, you have a lot of your, your more conservative people, your thin blue line people saying, well, let's wait for the whole video. Let's wait for the whole story. And just seeing something like that, it feels wrong to say, you know, what, what more of a story do I need to hear when you see somebody get shot in the back seven times? Mm. And so I was talking about how the context was going to matter of 
what happened there. And, you know, if the, if the story was true that he was just a helpful citizen and he was just trying to go along his way, then I didn't think the cops had any right to try to detain him. And I didn't think the cops had any right to be chasing him down and shooting him in the back because, you know, off, if all he did was break up a fight and then he, he was trying to excuse himself, then that should have been fine. Um, and then of course, give it another day or two. And the rest of the story comes out that, you know, he was banned from this property because of some sexual assault charges and, you know, some trespassing and that kind of thing. And then the Kyle Rittenhouse thing happened uh, that night as well. And so I, instead I was talking about how I think the context, learning the context kind of changed my opinion of what happened. And I'm, I'm still not wild about the police shooting this guy in the back, but you can certainly see why there was more of a reason for there to be a struggle. And um, <laughs> it's all good. Sorry, dogs are taking over here. You're cool. Um, but then switching the the story or switching the focus to Kyle Rittenhouse and looking at the fact that somebody was chasing him and that there may have been a self defense shooting in the first instance, and then in the second instance where people tried to gang up on him and he shot two more people, that that was absolutely a self defense yeah. issue. Um, and most of ANCAP Twitter, most of Libertarian Twitter really took his side and was really, you know, kind of calling him a hero. And uh, I don't know if you ever listened to Liberty Lockdown or not, but uh, yeah. Clint, oh, yeah. yeah, Clint was talking about, you know, how he was doing what the cops wouldn't do, that he was going and defending somebody else's property because the p- police wouldn't do it. They were just standing down and letting the rioters have their way. And I tried to push back because I felt like I was the only one saying, hey, the context matters in this too. And this kid went into a situation where he knew there was probably going to be violence. He knew that people were going to be after him and he was going to be way outnumbered and he still took a weapon and went into that situation anyway. And that if you carry a concealed weapon, you know that you're not allowed to start a fight and then use your weapon, you know, to finish the fight that if you start the fight, you're going to be held liable for anything that you do. And so I was just trying to push back a little bit and say, look, you know, he shouldn't have gone into that situation as, as much as we'd like to think that he's one of us and that he's one of the good guys. Like you said earlier, you know, you, the question is, well, when is the right time to go and defend somebody else's property or defend mm. somebody else's things? And in that instance, it just didn't sit well with me. And do you mean, hearing a, can I just ask real, when yeah. you say should, do you mean morally as if like a decision making or legally? I think morally, morally. Uh, Wow. I think this is, I think this is really tough because I have yet to hear a good argument as to when it is okay to go and defend someone else's property, not necessarily their lives, but their property. Cause I think most, most of us would agree. Let's talk about context. You know that, that he, he was with people that he worked with. Do you know about this? I did not know that. Yeah. He, he worked at the spot that he was defending. Um, he, and it was the, it was the friend's gun and this came out relatively recently, like after you dropped the podcast. Okay. So I don't know if anyone in the chat is going to listen to your episode. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think this information was out for a while, but he, I'm pretty sure that it was like him, his friend and a a dude, like the manager of the place or something like that. That was like the, um, and so it, it wasn't his property, but it was people he knew. Mm-hmm. And it was a business that he knew and he lived like 20 or 30 minutes away. Um, so I, I don't, that's why I'm asking about should in terms of like, is it morally to me? If you're going to say should, I would say from a young man's decision-making perspective, maybe he shouldn't have, 
but I don't know about like the moral. But actually, but I, I cut you off anyway. So just continue with what I asked you about the moral thing. So continue that thought. Oh no, that's I just um I would love to hear somebody kind of work through when it would be okay to to leave your property to to forcefully defend somebody else's because I think that all of us agree. Um, you know, if you look across the street and this other guy's getting beat up and it's not his fault, then it's absolutely within your morality to go over there and break it up. You know, and if, if this guy's life's in danger, then you're more than uh, you would be more than right to use whatever force you needed to, to save this person's life. Okay. So you do and, feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. And, and I think, so the, the place where it, the line gets blurry for me is what if it is just their property, you know, especially when we, you know, for a fact that there is no one who is inside, you know, and that it's just property and that it's not life. And that's a, a tough place for me to be in because I do believe in protecting your own property. And I do believe in protecting your own life and anyone else's life that you are able to protect. But I just don't know Yeah. when it comes to, you know, if, if I know that your house is empty and I know that, you know, hopefully you're insured and all of that as well. Mm. Is it, is it safe for me to run into the mob to, to try to defend that when, you know, maybe I would be safer and better off just, just kind of staying home. Yeah. Well, that's see that. That's what I mean though. Like when, when, uh, what you said when you said safer or like better mm-hmm. off to me, that dips into not moral into like wisdom Yeah, as opposed fair. to, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I can see that angle about any person's decision-making, but I think to me, I'm just like listening to the, you know, the, the Kenosha case and what you're making me think about is like, if I th- feel like if you can show that you are affiliated with the person who owns that place mm-hmm. in a work work even work would be a strong affiliation mm-hmm. you know second cousin uh i knew i met him three weeks ago at the gun range i think that you should be allowed to you know yeah and that's if, definitely if, fair if had, the cops not do nothing it. if the cops are doing nothing if, if the cops yeah. are doing too you that's that's different what are you gonna say uh, yeah, no, I had not heard at all that he was with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that changes things a little bit for me that, you know, it helps to be at least on a little bit of a team, you know, to have, have some kind of camaraderie there and people that you're working with, it would still kind of disturbs me a little bit, I guess, to see him kind of running away from, from that group. I would think you'd want to kind of hold up on your own and do the best you can to stick close to other people. But uh, as more information has come out, I'm I'm definitely more open to the self-defense angle and, I think I always believed he he was defending himself, mm-hmm. um, but that it was going to be really iffy when it came to a court of law that they were going to, you know, question his his intent and that kind of stuff. Um, and then somebody put out an op ed. I think it was in the Washington Examiner. I can't remember for sure, but they were talking about the, the case that the prosecution and the um, defense were laying out, and they were talking about how you know, this guy was chasing him and almost had him cornered at that first shooting. And that there were a couple shots that rang out at about the same time. Yeah. And so those th- things could have very well scared him and made him think that he was being shot at. And then obviously when he gets down into the crowd and somebody's yelling to get him and they're closing in on him and somebody swinging a skateboard at his head. I mean, absolutely. In that, in that case, you know, he had every right to, to do what he needed. To do. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's just all about the details and stuff. And also like the, like true law is not the same thing as this legal system. So it's all I, but I think that it just, the idea of, of charging the guy with first degree murder based on what we saw is, is insane and especially doing it right away. You know, 
um, mm-hmm. right away, you you know, um, someone I was talking to the other day was making this point that it, they they, di- they they didn't just charge people right away back in the day with these high mm-hmm. profile cases. They would wait a little bit, but he got charged with first degree. I think the next day or two days after. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wonder if they don't overcharge people so mm. that they can look like they tried while knowing that that heavy of a charge is not going to actually fly in court. Um, they did the same thing in the, the cops that killed George Floyd because they needed to, I think they needed, if I remember right, they needed to raise it to a first degree murder so that they could charge the other two guys as accomplices in that murder. Because if it would have been just a second degree, then you couldn't have called the other people accomplices if I remember right. Mm. So, um, and I, I had said that I were, I wonder sometimes when it comes to the police brutality things and that kind of thing, that their way of looking like they're doing their due diligence without actually having to put this person in jail is to charge them, you know, throw the book at them and hit them with premeditated murder. When you know a jury's never going to believe that it was premeditated. And then if they're innocent of that, you can't charge them again with anything less. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, in, in that situation, I mean, I'm trying to find like an article or something on that said this, but I knew he was, he, he, he worked there. He worked okay. um, close there and he was with people he knew and he was given, it says here that he's given the rifle by his, his friend and that was legal. It's, it's legal for a friend who's not a minor to have provided the right rifle to Rittenhouse. Um, I don't know. I, it's just like politics and the law. I love them, but I hate them so much because I'm not like mm-hmm. a legalese guy. I'm not a, a p- political spin guy. I'm, you know, just like, I just want, you know, justice or whatever. But I, I mean, I, I think it's good. I think it's good what he did, uh, given mm-hmm. what the cops were doing. That's, yeah. you know, the cops do, were doing shit. It, and it wasn't nearly as bad once you, the more details that came out made, him not nearly look as bad. You know, no. you hear about him traveling across state lines and all of this stuff. And then, like you said, you find out that they were two towns on the border, you know, and it was only 20 minutes away. Oh. And so you see it on a map and you're like, oh, okay, you know, that's not quite the same as it would have been if he had driven, you know, for hours upon hours to go to this protest. And uh, then, like you're saying, you know, that he went to where he worked and he was with people he knew protecting property that he had an interest in Mm. and uh so i think that definitely pushes things more in his favor and the more things that come out i'm willing to come around on that but i still maybe like you said maybe just more of a wisdom standpoint look i'm gonna stay home you know this this kind of stuff's going down um you know things in my city things that my employers are getting smashed or burned or whatever uh, you're gonna find me sitting at home surrounded with a stockpile of ammo minding my own business like that's that's what I'm going to do. Game theory. Yeah. I mean, it's just, we're going to see more and more of this, the more that this, this continues. So it's like, I, I don't know, people, you know, people that want and Capistan, they, you know, be careful with what you wish for. Cause it's kind of like this. I mean, the, this is what the wild west is. It, it, I, I think so. But at the same time, the, the biggest thing about, you know, and Capistan or, or voluntarism is that you are free to leave. Mm. And so, when people say, you know, well, like, look at Portland, you know, they've had a hundred days of, of almost all out war, you know, and, and looking at what those people are doing at the federal courthouse, you know, where you've got whatever federal agents in there hold up, just watching people hurl bombs at them and, and throw things and try to break down the doors and scream at them. I mean, that's got to be terrifying. And, uh, you know, I have no idea what the Alamo looked like because, you know, I wasn't around back then, but it, it reminded me a little bit of that thinking that you were, you know, vastly outnumbered, just trying to hold down this building. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's no wonder that people say, I want law and order. You know, I want 
them to use uh, is it the Sedition Act or Insurrection Act. You know, mm-hmm. I want them to use the Insurrection Act to go in there and, and clamp down on these protests. Um, but I would just push in the opposite direction and just say, why don't you let them have Portland? You know, the same thing. I've happened been saying with, it too. With, with Chaz and yeah, Chop and all of that. It it's like, look, I yeah, like Chaz. If, if you want those few blocks and you want to have your perfect communist society, your own autonomous country, then absolutely you take that and you show the rest of the world how well it's going to work. And you let us watch and yeah. see how those things pan out for you and see how you can get your own food and, and manage your own peace. And, you know, maybe we'll learn something, but, but, probably more than likely we're going to learn that, that your ways are, are absolutely ridiculous. And yeah. I like experiments, man. I like ex- I, that when, when Chaz, when Chaz happened, I like, you know, I, I don't know, is it States or whatever? What I, I mean, the whole mm-hmm. West coast is a little, uh, not the whole ever, all, but the cities, mm-hmm. the real divide is the cities in the, the country. That's, it's not even a state thing. Yeah. It's just yeah, like, I've, uh, almost sorry, all the, I've, almost, almost all the cities are blue. I can't think of really one red city. Maybe mm-hmm. people said somewhere in South Dakota or somewhere in Idaho. And I don't know those yeah. places. I mean, yeah. Would you, yeah. Would you consider those cities even, you know, as, as small as they probably are? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's interesting. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to keep going and I think it's going to go past the election. Do you think, uh, first of all, uh, are you, how do you, you I think we mentioned the LP earlier, but are you mm-hmm. a fan? Do you like jo- Joe Jorgensen? What's your deal for the election? I like Joe Jorgensen. Uh, I am cheering for her, but I'm probably not going to vote for her uh, just because of the terrible leadership that's in the Libertarian Party. Uh, I don't know if Sarwark is gone yet or not. I know he's not he's not resuming his term as the chairman. Yeah. So I, he's being replaced by somebody. And I heard that whoever that is, is a lot better than he is. Um, but they've got some making up to do and they've got some work to do to try to, to win people back over. And uh, just a couple of Joe's tweets have just been absolutely Yikes. terrible. I was just going to say, um, yeah, I don't think that's her most of the time, but I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't. And, and, you know, they did the same thing where they went after Rand Paul. Did you see that one? No. Oh, my <sighs> gosh. They, they called him like a, a baby or something like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They said, like, Shh, you'll scare him or something like that. Freaking attacked. It was just horrible. Yeah, just absolutely terrible. Uh, the kind of things that they're doing and the, just the way that they pander, you know, to the to the New York Times or they just pander to the corporate media. And it's like, look, you know, those people are going to hate you no matter what. You know, the second you disagree with them on anything, they're going to hate your guts unless you were dead. So there's no sense in pandering um, and compromising your morals just to hopefully think that they're going to like you. You know, it, it reminds me almost of the, the freshman in high school trying to impress the seniors, you know, yeah. trying to do something cool uh, just so that hopefully they'll think I'm cool. So. I really do like Joe on her own, though. I mean, she seems to be very intelligent, very well spoken. Um, just yeah, the, the Twitter is terrible. The party is terrible. Mm. Um, so you know, I'll give her my best wishes and I'll kind of cheer her on from afar. But I'm just not interested in in voting for her or having anything to do with that party. Are you going to vote? Like, are you going to vote for uh, president? I don't plan on it. Oh yeah, I don't plan on it. So okay. uh, I've gone back and forth a lot because I can definitely see you know every side of it, and you know that voting is maybe the one small chance that you have to, to fight back or to, to have a say in what your rights are going to be. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately kind what of. I've come down on is look, I don't believe those people have any effect on me. I don't believe that, you know, who the president is, has any real factor in how I'm going to live my life. And so if that's the case, then why am I going to act like I care by going into their stupid poll and checking their stupid box? Yeah. I mean, it's cause it's fun. You know, that's why it's uh that's why, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I think voting is, you know, when you said it's your, one of your only chances to exercise, but I was like, yeah, kind of, because I think it's kind of a trap. 
I think it's it's totally illusion of choice. Yet, I think that the number that they say is the number is generally the number that happened. Like, I don't think it's completely fake. I think that it's a uh, it's you know the people are selected and then elected at the top. Maybe there's going to be a lot of fraud this year, but you know, um, they're probably going to be a lot of fraud this year, but you go do it. It's a Tuesday in November. It's a fun time. And then you go home and realize how little it matters. That's all, that to, to me that you're right. I, I think you're right about your argument, but that's not an argument to abstain. That's an argument to just vote for the crappiest, the, the best crappy choice and then go about your life. Yeah, and that, and that's definitely fair. And I and I've been back and forth on it so much that I definitely wouldn't. It, it wouldn't be right for me to try to push, you know, look down on anybody or thumb my nose at anybody who does believe that maybe it does make a difference, mm-hmm. or you know, that, like you said, I, I do all the time. Probably, by the way, I call them vooters. Oh. I'm like, oh, they're a voot, a voot supremacist. They think vooting is going to change the world. Yeah, I shit on them all the time, dude. <laughs> anyway. One of my one of my favorite memes was like, oh, you got a sticker for voting? Bananas get stickers for being bananas. Yeah, and then, uh, this is great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think, I think mostly you're right. You know, that it probably, they are counted. They are fair. I think that voter fraud probably is pretty low. Um, but it, it also just attracts the worst type of people. You know, the politics in general attracts people who want to rule over other people's lives. And whether you want to rule over my life in a more conservative way or a more progressive way, I just don't want to be ruled. Yeah. And, um, I think that's the the biggest thing and that you can get people to buy in. If you give them that illusion of choice and that you give them the idea that they've participated in the system, then they take a little bit of ownership in that system and, and it becomes a little bit more important to them as well to say like, oh, well, you know, we just have to fix this. We just have to get the right guy in there or, you know, we just See, have to respect I, the process. Yeah, I don't buy any of that shit. I mean, yeah. like I get it, but I just, it's just voting, dude. Voting is, yeah. And, yeah, so I don't know if you had something to do. And so I would say just vote. I mean, it's just fun. I mean, you can mail it in. You can wear a hazmat suit. Do you, you know, do you have mail in voting? I don't even know. I don't even know if I can vote because I'm going to be like in transit, but I'm encouraging people to vote for Trump just because the, this, this Democrat way of thinking is really, really bad. <laughs> you know, I even get that the, for sure, even the least extreme of these people, uh, they they don't know how to think beyond like emotionally manipulating the mob. So I just think that that I'm gonna vote for Trump. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely fair. And I think that the way that the media uh, has gotten so you know ham fisted and they're trying to control people, it's <laughs> definitely media. pushing people more than it's pushing people to Trump. You know, it makes Trump look like the good guy, even when you know, he's he's not you know sometimes no i people I, gotta I remember that these are saying. i literally think trump is the good guy in the like i literally think he is he's well sorry he's the best guy he's, okay that's, uh, that's yeah fair. like i don't know if there's a good guy i don't think there's good politicians really but like he's the best guy available even though he's got a bunch of stuff wrong with him especially i mean we didn't we we're almost out of time but we didn't even talk about like foreign wars i mean we're still over there <laughs> And that's, I know that me and you are both kind of agree that we just got to be out of there. No more foreign wars or wars in general. But yeah, I think Trump is the best for, he's the best right now. It's Biden or Trump. That's fair for sure. <laughs> and uh, I can definitely see, and it, it makes me, like I said earlier, you know, kind of on an emotional level, sometimes cheer for him a little bit because yeah. you see that it is a, a 
the bad guy fighting worse people. You know, it's it's the Joker versus the other villains, I guess. And so <laughs> yeah. it's it's you know, it is that entertainment value of of watching him make them show their cards and show what they're doing. But then again, at the same time, uh, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that he wants. You know, a lot of the tariffs mm. we've talked about, they I'm not I'm I'm more of an open borders type of person, but you know, I, I get that you want to have secure borders to to feel safe and that kind of thing. I mean, that's that's definitely a fair stance to take, but you know, people elected him so that he could get this wall built and the wall's not built. Uh, you know, he said he was going to bring the troops home and really nobody's been brought home. They've been shuffled around a little bit and, you know, we calm one war down and then try to start up another one somewhere else. And so with, when it comes to a lot of those things, I think that it's, it's easy to cheer for the things that he says, and it's easy to, to like a lot of the things that he says. But then when you look at what he actually does or what he actually gets done, I mean, he hired John Bolton and Mike Pompeo. I mean, those are the two biggest warmongers that you could ask for. Yikes. And, and you're not going to bring the troops home when you've got those guys calling the shots. And so I think it's important to remember that he's not great. He's just fighting people who are absolutely terrible. Yeah. And uh, I can definitely see both sides of it because it's you know kind of the same thing when it comes to gun control and gun rights and stuff like that. Those kind of things are passed when Republicans are in charge because the Republicans give in and compromise and give a little bit and try to meet in the middle. But then when you have the Democrats in charge, you've got conservatives who are finally standing up and they're like, I'm not going to let Obama take my guns you know, over my dead body and they won't move an inch. And mm. When the people are pushing back against government and pushing back against that power, um, government does have to to hesitate a moment before they come down with these tyrannical measures. And, you know, the same thing with the lockdowns of people saying, you know, oh, well, how much worse would it have been if it had been Hillary or how much worse would it have been if it had been Biden? And so then they let, you know, Trump or they let their governor or whoever do whatever they want. And sometimes that makes me kind of wish that we had democrats in power again just so the people would be willing to stand up and to stop republicans from allowing that overton window to, to be shifted a interesting little bit. i mean yeah that's and that's why i'm no republican i'm i'm no uh because what is it conservatism is progressivism driving the speed limit yeah. michael malice i i believe that so i don't know i mean it's kind of feels weird because i'm i'm still kind of a goofball musician artist type or whatever but like i've just been saying i'm right wing or far right even i don't i don't think far right means violent i don't think either way means necessarily violent other than if you say all government is the initiation of force and then any every ideology is a little bit of violent mm-hmm. you know but i'm but like if far right I I don't know I, I'm still these labels are super gay I don't know um yeah. but but anyway so I just know I'm right wing that's that's what I know and depending on the issue depending on the the day and depending what I'm talking about you know so and it's so easy when it's the binary and that's part of the problem too I'd be interested in talking about having more parties having mm-hmm. ranked choice voting um having way less people have the right to vote I'm into that conversation <laughs> Um, and even if that doesn't involve me, I'd take it. If it was like, if I knew responsible people over 40 that owned land were voting, I would give up my vote because then I think most of the country would be right wing. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, that's why you get this big push for mail-in voting, you know, because the more people that turn out to an election, the more Democrats are, are going to win those elections. And so if they can get as many people voting as possible, because, you know, whether they're younger or more poor or whatever it is, you know, maybe they, they can't get off work to vote or they, they don't have the transportation or whatever. So if you mail in, um, they're definitely going to get more voters and that's definitely going to kind of skew things in their favor. Uh, but then of course you've also got the, 
the question of security, you know, is it safe or not? And I, uh, I got something from the board of elections at my house for the people that lived here before me. I've been here for years. And so <laughs> just looking at the outside of that envelope, I didn't open anybody else's mail, but looking at that, I'm like, could I have opened this and, and signed up for an absentee ballot for both of these people? You know, could I have, could I have sent that in? And of course that would have been me just voting a couple of extra times. And, you know, I don't even care to vote for myself, but there's definitely reason for, I think people to be a little bit concerned about that, but yeah, insane. I mean, I don't know how I'm so glad that I'm not in charge of this stuff because mm-hmm. to sort through all that, like what people are in charge of that, man, it, like, it's all these machines and people hacking stuff and, you know, people, you know, dead, you know, grandma immigrants voting, you know, like it's yeah. crazy. I think it's going to be insane. Do you think we're going to know who the president is in November? I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. Probably not early November for sure. Uh, you know, I've heard several people saying lately that it's going to take maybe two or three weeks to count the votes. And of course that's got both sides saying that that's giving the other side, you know, a couple of extra weeks to skew the numbers and to cheat, you know, on their behalf. And I think I'm more with you. I think the elections are mostly fair and that they're mostly, I, I think that it's just, there's too many people involved for it to be a good conspiracy. You know, it's one of those things where there are so many people that somebody would have talked and you would you would hear a lot of details, I think, about people trying to do that. And instead, it's just, you know, look, you know, do you want do you want the progressive or do you want the progressive driving the speed limit? You know, Mm. you're getting pretty close to the same thing, no matter what happens. Yeah. But this is going to be interesting for sure, because I think times are, are probably more heated than they've ever been. And then, as usual, you know, whoever loses is not going to accept the results of the election. Yeah. That's why, like, at the end of the day, you know, there's the meme with, like, the expanding brain where it, like, mm-hmm. goes all the way down. Like, one of my final levels is I'm just about peaceful secession because mm-hmm. I think people should be allowed to secede on any level. I mean, I, yeah. I am still a voluntarist. Like, like I maybe I'm not a voluntarist absolutist because mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a gray area in a lot of places. But, you know, I think that places should be allowed to secede and that we've got to get rid of federal aid. Like mm-hmm. federal aid to other countries and to cities and to states, it, it that's like the um, it's like the bribe, you know, they they, they give oh, yeah. it and they take it away. So mm-hmm. now no one can leave. You know, there's gonna be crazy drama if they do. Um, are you are you uh, in favor of secession? Absolutely, yeah. I think I think things should be as small and as seceded as possible, and that's why I've been a big fan. Uh, the more I go along, I'm a big fan of calling myself a voluntarist or calling myself an agorist. And like you said, just let me opt out. Just give me the option to leave. And and that's all I'm asking for. You know, if, if I don't want to use the police, then just let me leave and, and not be bothered by the police or anything like that. You know, if I if I want to find my own, uh, you know, fire protection or whatever it is, then just let me do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if Antifa comes to, to take my city, like they've taken Portland, then you can let them have it because I don't have a dog in that fight. And I, I didn't want my tax dollars going to those Columbus statues or, you know, those courthouses anyway. So why don't you just let me leave? And I think that you would see people kind of pulling back on their own a little bit and living the way that they want to live and minding their own business. Because, when you get into these big cities, I think that's one of the reasons that they tend to become more progressive is because you have people kind of living on top of each other and you have to cooperate with other people um, just to get along yeah. you know, because you can't grow your own food. You can't always you know, provide your own protection or anything like that. And maybe not even your own transportation, depending on how busy or how packed it is. So um, 
that pushes people, I think, to depend on each other more and become more group minded. And then, of course, when you get that group mind, you mindset, you think everybody should act the way that I want them to act. And then we, we take a vote. And if you're in the 51%, then guess what? You oh, get to boss everybody like else around and, and force going. them to do it. Yeah. And so then you're mad that you've been oppressed on because you were in the 49%. Wow. So now you want to come back harder the next time. And the best thing I think that we can possibly do is just step away from that. And that's, I think, kind of going back to why I've kind of stepped away from this, this idea of voting. Is It's like, I don't want to have a dog in that fight. I don't want to have any emotion drawing me in, wishing that more people would have done what I would have done or whatever. When what I think what I'm going to do is just try to do my best to step back out of the system and, and use it as little as possible and, mm. and do my best to, Start to live a good life on my own. Cool. Let's uh let's spend the last uh, couple minutes talking about just the like uh, not it's kind of the libertarian party, but a lot of these people I'm describing like there's a huge split in mm-hmm. amongst the libertarians right now. Most of the people on and I'm just for simplicity's sake, I'm gonna call it the right and the left. Fair. Right, li- libertarians, left libertarians. I know okay. that the labels are weird or whatever, but like mm-hmm. you know, most people on the right don't like the LP at all. At all. They might be mm-hmm. LP members, but they're like Mises caucus types. So Dave Smith, Tom Woods, libertarians. Yeah. And like the other ones would be what you call your beltway libertarians mm-hmm. here. Your reason magazine, you know, Cato Institute. Um, are, do you know, um, are, do you have a dog in that fight? Do you, um, you know, w- do you consider yourself a right or a left libertarian or like, I, I, I was, I was going to bring up this debate. I don't know if you listen to the Dave Smith with the guy on, the Lines no. of Liberty hosted it. It's Did at you, the top of my list. I'm probably going to listen to it tomorrow. I just I heard finished he, it. I heard he wiped the floor with a guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I also just listened to uh, Dave Smith's recent one where he talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the whole thing? I mean, a lot of it comes – I mean, uh, to be fair, a lot of this stuff is a little like either petty or just kind of irrelevant because it's, it's a bunch of people fighting on Twitter. But it kind of mm-hmm. is important, at least to me and people that take the libertarian movement semi-seriously. But what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that whole thing? Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of the the Mises Caucus and those guys. Yeah. You know, I love Tom me Woods. Too. I love Dave Smith. And I think that the biggest thing that attracts me to that side of things is the fact that they are principled, that they say, these are our principles and these are the things that we hold to. And we believe this even when it's unpopular, even when it's uncomfortable. And um, I forget who it was, but uh, Tom was interviewed him and, and he has that book, I think, like Defending the Indefensible or something like that. And he goes through... Lou Rockwell? Yes, it was. I think that's his book. Yeah, Lou uh, defending. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. So, you know, it talks about, you know, defending the the landlord, you know, who has to evict a tenant or, you know, defending a lot of people that we might consider the bad guy, you know, the loan shark or whoever. And and he goes back and says, you know, look, these are the people who offered their own property to to let somebody else borrow it and that they would be you know, silly not to you know try to gain back what they've lost or anything like that. And so when you're principled, sometimes you have to take those principled stances and it can make other people uncomfortable. Mm. And when you look at what the Libertarian Party wants to do, they want to reach out and get as many people into their party as possible, because I think they're more concerned with winning elections than winning hearts and minds. And that's fair. I mean, I think that, you know, if you want to win an election, I don't, if, if I want you to vote for me, I don't care if you think like me, you know, I don't care if you agree with me. I just want you to, to check the box with my name in it so that I, I get elected to power. And so I think that the party is so concerned with just reaching as many people as possible and watering down their message so that they can say, Oh yeah, we really are just like you. You know, if you're, if you're an unaf- uh, disavowed Democrat or you're a disavowed Republican, you know, we'd like to bring you in because we're good on a lot of things that 
you know, there's, there's overlap on both sides there and they want to be popular. They want to be palatable and they want to bring those people in and not have to answer the hard questions about what are we going to do about police brutality or, you know, what would happen in an ANCAP society? You know, how would you have security or anything like that? And so they don't want to deal with that. They just want to bring people in and make everybody feel good and make everybody vote for Joe or make everybody vote for Gary Johnson and Bill Weld. And if we can get to that 5%, you know, we'll get some federal funding to the party or whatever. And, and then everything uh, will be better. So uninspiring. It, yeah. And it really is. And I think it's just gross because it's all about this popularity contest. And I think if you've learned anything, um, you know, especially dealing with the left, but the, the right will turn on you too. You know, you say something bad about the troops or cops or you, you know, you disrespect the flag or something like that. I mean, they'll turn on you just the same. And those people are going to hate you no matter what. And so there's no sense in trying to make them like you just so that you can feel like you're popular and just so that you can get a, a few more votes, especially when it comes to like this type of election where, you know, I don't think Joe's going to get as many votes as Gary Johnson did just because oh, uh, even no. though she's, she's so much better of a candidate, but this election is all about Trump. This yeah. election is all about whether you're going to stop Trump or whether you're going to save Trump, whatever it is that you think you have to do. Uh, nobody's concerned about a third party at this point. And so I definitely fall in with those Mises guys because they're principled and they can just say like, look, uh, you know, they're, they're the whole conversation. Uh, I don't know if you've ever got into the conversation or not about uh, copyright or yeah. Copyrights and intellectual property. Have you ever gone into that? I have. I I'm pretty undecided. That's one that I definitely like both sides of the argument. I get yeah. it. And so that's, you know, one of those things where, if I'm looking at my principles and we say that the free market is best, then it would be silly to give somebody a monopoly on somebody else's ideas and to give your publisher a monopoly on your book or whatever it is. Um, but those kind of things are, are uncomfortable and they're hard and they're difficult to talk about. And it, that's one of those issues that I don't understand nearly as well. Um, but when you take a principled stance, it kind of tells you, you know, look, we need to lean this direction because this is what we already believe. And this yeah. is what we believe, you know, turns out to be right in those cases. And so just because on the surface, it may not look as easy this time, we stand true to those principles. And so that's why on our show, we talk about peace, property rights, and free markets, because we need to ask ourselves, you know, even if we think that somebody is right, you know, even if, if we think that the government is right to go down and drop the hammer on everybody who's ever followed an Antifa account on Twitter, is that peaceful? You know, mm. is that, is that right? And you know, it's not. See, I follow all of them just because I'm trying to get the word on the street, you know, just the scoop from the street. Uh, one thing, I mean, I don't, you know, I definitely, I agree with like, you know, you said a lot just now about the libertarians. I, I think I agree with almost all of it because they, they're, they're, when I heard the guy say on this, uh, first of all, I want to get this guy, Dave Smith debated on my program just to talk to him about race and IQ and Stefan Molyneux. Cause he said some stuff that, I mean, that I have never heard. Stefan Molyneux say, say ever. And I've listened oh, really? to about, yeah, about him trying to advocate for state violence against people based on race and IQ. I've okay. never, ever heard Stefan Molyneux ever advocate for the use of st the state for almost any reason. Yeah, you know? I don't think I don't remember hearing that. I mean, I've, I've heard him. He talks about the race. And I that, see that, lot, that is... to me cross. I know. I mean, I, and I know people that do. I, I talk about that from time to time. I don't see there, if, that there's any problem in, in, talking about stuff if people can talk about your climate change study then we can talk about our whatever iq study whatever but to me the thing that was like i was like appalled i mean uh stefan molyneux is still an anarcho-capitalist mm -hmm. and he, he when the guy was like he's advocated for the use of the state i'm just like point me to when that happened bro um 
But also, I th- I just think that I think a lot of people and they're left like that. To me, this is one of the th- ways. If if I hear someone prioritizing like like racism being the biggest problem, mm-hmm. that's a leftist. Like that to me, that is a culturally leftist thing. I mean, like rape is a bigger problem than racism murder is a bigger problem than racism these are clearly worst worse things than being racist rape murder destruction of property classically things that all races have always done for all time you know Mm -hmm. um so to me that's what i see a lot of when they when uh for lack of a better word the loser brigade people that you know um listen to the these podcasts will know what i'm talking about but they get so spooked by race now i don't know if that's because they get spooked or they know that's deeply unpopular on the left like, i think that's what it is i think they're really? just trying to play the left's game and that, that you try to use their terminology and try to meet them on those things because we all agree that you know racism is bad you know like you said that you know we that, what's the definition that, of that word uh, I would say just mainly in the collectivist sense that you are you're disparaging a certain group of people because of the the group that they belong to because of the color of their skin or I think you could easily lump in you know religion or um, you know, sex or gender whatever with that as well and I think that most people agree that it's wrong to discriminate on people that way and that almost everybody thinks that that's problematic and so. Nobody wants to be called a racist. You know, even people who are conservatives, they don't like to be called that. And so I'm when used the to left it. kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, used to it. Yeah, used I'm to be, so yeah. used to it. <laughs> and um, I think my favorite, my favorite thing I ever got called, I think was an alt-right Joe Rogan, Tulsi Gabbard loving fanboy. Wow. Or something like that. That's and, a, and, an uh, oxy, oxymoron. I, yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> and I'm so, you know, at this, at this point, it's getting funny, you know, at this yeah. point it's, it's getting to the place where it doesn't you know, it doesn't affect people the same way that it used to. And so that's why they had to change, you know, from racist to white supremacist, you know, yeah. because now it's not just somebody who doesn't like race. It's somebody who has to think the whites are superior or whatever. Um, but I think that those types, like you said, those, those the loser brigade, the loser brigade. I love how Tom Woods coined that. He did such a good job. Um, I, I think Ben Settle, Ben Settle taught him how to do that. Ben Settle's such a cool guy. I don't know if you ever follow him or not, but what's his um, name again? Ben Settle. Ben Settle. He, he is a copywriter and uh, he, he sells these copywriting magazines that cost like $300 a month or something like that. And people will, will buy it and subscribe to it and they love it. And uh, he put out a podcast for a while. You can still listen to the podcast, but he does a lot of good stuff. His newsletter is pretty good too, but um, he spends a lot of time talking about how, you know, if you can drum up some controversy, sometimes, you know, it causes people to take your side or, you know, to, yeah. to take a stance on you. And it's better for people to either love you or hate you than it would be for, you know, them just to, see you and that's it you True. Know, be lukewarm this is trump this is game 101 yeah this trump does yeah. this all the time yeah. oh yeah absolutely yeah. No, yeah nobody nobody everybody feels strongly one way or another you know everybody's like oh you know i don't really know who he is you never yeah. hear anybody say that you know everybody Good. knows so um by you know i, I think that the loser brigade by jumping in on this you know this racist this white supremacist whatever kind of thing that they're trying to prove to the left, you know, that we're not one of the bad guys and they're trying to prove to the left that we're okay. And what they don't realize is that the left constantly moves the goalposts then you know, changes the definition of things. And, you know, of course it, racism doesn't even mean that you discriminate against somebody anymore. It's got to do with power structure. If you yeah. look at the new uh, definition of it. Yeah. That's why we'll never even like, I mean, it's become a cle- such a cliche to, to say kind of what you're just saying, like not criticizing you or whatever, but like yeah. that everyone would say that racism is bad. I would not accept that premise 
because I don't even know what the definition of that word is. And because if you're just going to say, and I don't even mean this about, about you or whoever, it's just like, but if the person is just going to call me that and it's like, yeah, I guess I am. Cause the thing is you're telling the truth. If you're saying your opinion is that I'm a racist, like based on what you've seen so far, I'll give you it. <laughs> I'm going to go on doing my life and I'm going to keep making racist jokes. Um, do my, my Jap, my famed Japanese voice, uh, and we'll see who what happens in the long run. Um, so, I mean, I just it's an interesting split in the libertarian. I, okay, what do you think? Dave Smith on his program keeps saying that the, if they had, you know, half of his listeners join the LP, they would take over the party. I don't know if that's going to happen. Do you think the Mises Caucus should take over the party or start a new party? I think they should start a new party. I think that that they're totally the LP is is not gonna is not the the ship that the right libertarians are gonna you know come in on do you think they should take over the party or leave um i think that they should i'd like to see them try to take over the party i think i like what they're doing i think that um they've they've got the name you know the libertarian party mises caucus and they've got the party's name in there um and it would be great to see and i think that the libertarian party is it is the third biggest party you know it is the biggest third party <laughs> as well. So they've already got that little bit of name recognition and you've got, you're going to get some people that come in just to kind of be contrarians because they're, you know, too smart not to be a Democrat or Republican or whatever. But I think that that's, that's a fair way to come after it. The problem with that is when they do, if they do come to power, if they do, you know, start taking more seats and start, you know, challenging and getting a couple places in Congress and stuff like that, you're going to see, a lot of these same bad people start to swoop in on that movement as well. Cause a lot of these people don't care about, you know, your Democrats and your Republicans. A lot of them don't care at all. They just care about what the voters think and what's going to give them the most power and the, the best position and the most money. And when people start to see the libertarian party as a means of gaining some of that power and gaining some of that notoriety for their own and, and making their own name bigger, it's going to bring in those kind of people as well. And that's going to be just as difficult that, that maybe you don't have the loser brigade pandering to the left all the time, uh, that maybe you have them you know, speaking more on principles and that kind of thing. But you're still going to have people saying whatever the Mises caucus people want to hear and then getting in office and, and doing what they can to, to use it to their own advantage. And so that's kind of one of the reasons I think I'm most against politics as a, as a means for change that I would much rather have encourage people to step away from it it's way better with say, social cultural for me religious i mm -hmm. like i think that i mean i it, just anything other than the government is usually better than the government but sometimes mm -hmm. you need it yeah yeah that's it yeah um so you're an agorist like yeah 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 cool i think um so i think my man joe hart is coming on uh tomorrow and he's uh he flips stuff on ebay and on craigslist and stuff he makes his full living on that and i, That's I don't amazing i don't think he knows the, the term agorism but i'm gonna introduce him to it tomorrow because agorism is just bypassing the financial system right yeah yeah bypassing the system in any way okay um so yeah yeah whatever you want to do that that's on your own that, that exists outside of the the kind of mainstream system um and i think that that's the I think that's the best means um, to to getting what we want as as ANCAPs, as libertarians, whatever label you want to call us. I think the agorism is the best means to do that, that you're not going to be able to vote them all out. You're not going to be able to vote all 100 members of the Senate out so that we don't have them. Yeah. The best thing that we can possibly do is say, look, we're going to do what we want to do regardless of what you tell us. And, you know, we're not we don't care what you say. And I think you see this a lot. Uh, with the 3D printed guns now that you can make all the gun laws you want. But if somebody has a 3D printer, 
they can download those things for free and, and, and print their own guns. Yeah. And so you, you see all these gun laws start to become more and more meaningless that you can clamp down as much as you want, but you know, you have no idea what somebody's printing at their house. Right. That's why, that's why I'm uh, I've relaxed on the gun thing because it, even before these, these riots, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they're g- grabbing guns. Like that's why I'm, I'm very, for me, it's like, to me, if I want the government, the big government to swoop in and do do something, it'd be pro-life stuff because I like, it, like the thing that you can actually do is something about that. The, I don't think even if Biden dies the first day on the job and come and King Kamala comes in and signs away, I don't think the assault rifles are getting the assault, the weapons of war give, are getting given up. There's gonna be too many boating accidents. There's gonna mm-hmm. be too many like ditch accidents. I don't think people are giving up their guns. So I don't know. I I think that, but a year ago, man, libertarians were so scared of the gun thing because there's those <laughs> shootings and it's just funny, funny how stuff stuff works. What's your, you know, we're gonna get out of here pretty soon, but what is your, you know, you're not gonna vote, but if you could, if what, do you have like a biggest issue that if you if you could see like the federal government or a law passed on the federal level, what would be the one that you you can only pick one? Okay, uh, yeah, I think I think the. the abolishing the federal reserve would be the biggest one for me nice. to, to get the monetary system a little bit more stable to stop these booms and busts to stop all of this because you know a lot of times people more to the right kind of talk like the wealth the, the wealth inequality gap doesn't matter hmm. and i mean it does matter you know and it may not be as much of a problem that the rich are getting richer and, and the poor are, are they're getting richer but they're not getting rich as fast you know that that gap is continually growing um but the reason that that's growing is because when they print new money and when they give bailouts, it goes to the people at the top first. And then inflation hits all of those people at the bottom later on. And so the people who have less money, suddenly that that less amount that they have is now worth even less because of inflation. And so when you look at the things that, that Black Lives Matter is protesting, um, that they're talking about how they feel that they can't get ahead in life and they feel that they don't have a chance – and they think that it's because of systemic racism, but I think that a lot of it is because of the way that this monetary system works. Yeah, I mean the, you know, the, the dollar. You're, you're, yeah, it's it's all monetary, dude. It's, it's the inflation usury. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it, and so your issue isn't that you know you, the minimum wage isn't high enough. You know, oh, quite the opposite. An hour, Twenty bucks. No, the problem is they're they're taking the worth of the little bit of money that you do make. They're taking that worth out from under you. Yeah. And somebody else mm-hmm. who it doesn't affect that way is is making money off of that and is making profit off of it. And you see, even with the lockdowns, which at the beginning of this, I mean, everybody was scared, you know, when, when the whole thing first came on, um, we didn't know what COVID was, you know? And I think that most people were at least okay in the beginning, like we need to take some kind of measures to figure out at least what's going on and to figure out whether or not we're safe and to figure out, you know, what we need to do. Um, not that I necessarily think that should have come from a government, but I mean, even, even myself, you know, you're thinking, oh, there's a virus out there. Do Do I need, do I need to wash my hands? Do I need to wear a mask? What is it? And, um, instead they use those measures to shut down all of the small businesses and to only leave the biggest, strongest, most powerful, you know, Amazon and Walmart was about the only place that you could get anything for a while because everything else was closed. And, um, you know, those kind of things only give more power to the people up at the top. Yeah. And so while I don't see anything wrong with owning a business, while I don't see anything wrong with corporations, when you do that with the money and when you make sure that you give them the biggest bailouts and you 
give them enough money and they have enough money to, to buy off the senators to, to do what they want to do to make sure that it's always in Congress's best interest to bail out Jeff Bezos or whoever, um, then yeah, that's going to give you that inequality. And instead of pointing it toward racism and instead of pointing it toward all of this systemic injustice, it was just like, look, the economy is, is fake right now, you know? And, and the only thing that's there is, is, government picking and choosing winners and, and they're yeah. always choosing the, the biggest people to be winners. And so if you really want to change that, um, stop messing with the money, stop overinflating a lot of those stocks where they don't belong. And it's going to take a crash. You know, it's going to take a correction to get back down to where it's we're going to be a big to be. one too. Yeah. <laughs> but then just leave these people alone, you know, let them braid hair and cut hair and let them do these things without licenses and, and whatever skill yeah. it is that they have, whether, you know, doing nails or, or having a restaurant or a food truck, um, just get out of their way and let them do their thing. And those communities can grow as well, you know, and you're going to have people uh, who can, I think, you know, secede from the system a little bit. And instead of being so dependent on the government and being so worried about who's going to get elected and, and change their benefits or take away their housing or whatever, that instead we just point that toward, look, the money is solid. And now that the money is solid, we can look for ways to make more of that money and to keep what we earn and, and to build our wealth that way instead of constantly having it inflated out from under us. Yeah. Good point. And the Fed. All right. Sweet. I, just, uh, I think that's all the time we have for the night, Garrett. So why don't you just uh, uh, tell people where to where to find your stuff? Uh, your uh, podcast is linked below in the show description. But why don't you just tell people where to find you and uh, your Twitter handle, things like that, and we will get okay. out of here. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. My uh, podcast is called Make America Garrett Again, and Garrett only has one R in it. Uh, a lot of times it won't quite show up in the search engine, or it'll try to correct it to Garrett with two R. So you got to just make sure that you tell them that you're you're looking for Garrett with one R. Um, but if you click that smart link, it should bring up uh, just about all the services that you might want to use. Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to podcasts, I'm, I'm just about everywhere. And uh, I usually do an episode every two weeks or so. I'm trying to get a little bit better at doing things more regularly, but I just have a lot going on and don't always have time to sit down and record as much as I want to. But we talk about peace, property rights, and free markets. And uh, we a lot of times do that from a lens of persuasion. So we talk about the actual um, elements of what's happening and a lot of times why they seem to look the way that they look or why people are trying to direct you the way that they're directing you. And that way we can learn how to spot those things and we can be more persuasive on our own uh, when we're talking about politics or, you know, when you're at work and when you're talking with your spouse to hopefully, you know, win people over to, to your way of thinking in whatever it is. Cool. All right, everybody, check out that podcast. It's down below in the show description, and this will be uploaded as its own podcast, I think, in about uh, three or four days. I think I'm going to try to get better about uploading those three times a week, as promised. But that was Garrett of... Uh